Thank you for downloading this message from Roots Community Church. We pray that you are encouraged by the word. If you are looking for more information, please visit us at rccphoenix.com. I had an opportunity to sit with um, Brian probably a week and a half ago, and we were sitting at coffee and kind of catching up, and he was talking about how um, uh, the, the implementing the things that we talked about during the during this series had a direct impact on him. He had some experiences with those things. I'm like, look, um, this would be a great way to end this series. Will you come and let me kind of do like a quasi semi kind of like interview with you? and talk about some of those things. So I'm gonna ask him to join me. So um, so we're gonna just, for probably just a few minutes here, kind of go through um, a couple of questions and then lead into a discussion. I'm gonna wrap up with a few things and then we'll do one thing to close it out at the end. And then if you guys are welcome to stay for the Super Bowl, you don't have to. We got a bunch of food, chili dogs, nachos, regular hot dogs for the kids, all that stuff. <clears throat> but let's go ahead and pray before we get started. You want to start us out there real quick? Yeah, can you do that? God, we thank you for everyone that's here tonight. We pray, God, for um, just a good time. We pray that um, tonight that we are encouraged, that we are um, just here tonight, and we pray, God, that you'd be glorified in the midst of all that we say, be with us in our conversation, and all that we do. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so um, let's just start with a general question for you. And we'll kind of lead into the rest of them is why was the series so impactful for you specifically? Um, so there's a bunch of reasons why, but the biggest ones that stuck out to me was I didn't know I was still bleeding. Um, so I would always go back to the opening of this series when you talked about bleeding all over the chicken. Look, that was a really, that was a really nasty <coughs> I was sitting yeah, in the back and I gross. saw everyone's reaction um, Especially for a caterer. For a caterer, yeah. <laughs> we don't do that at all. Um, but I was sitting in the back and it resonated with me because, well, I understood that thought process. I understood, like, he cut his finger. Now, again, we would not do this when we're catering, but he was like, we still have to carry on. Um, and I, the reason why it hit me was because that's been my whole life. Um, it's like something happens, oh, just get over it and you just got to carry on and just keep on going um and so when i look back i never really just got over things it was just kind of like you put some distance some time or you ignore it you bury it and you just keep on going with life and so um this series was huge because god did some digging i mean god was like hey remember when this happened this happened to you and he confronted <coughs> me with a lot of things that I wasn't ready for, or I thought I wasn't ready for anyway. I wasn't, I didn't feel prepared or equipped to go through this process that he was about to take me through. Gotcha. So you said you didn't realize you were bleeding. So without getting too specific, because, you know, it, those wounds are typically related to people, right? right? So we're not trying to put people on blast. Yeah. You know, like, Susie so-and-so, I'm coming, I'm talking about you, you know what I mean? I'm like, hope you watch us later. No, not without doing like, Tagging you know, <laughs> without doing stuff like that. Right. Um, can you talk about what types of wounds you were holding on to that you had just kind of pushed past because you needed to carry on? Yeah. Um, a lot of it had to do with church hurt. Um, in my earlier years, there was a lot of family hurt. Um, 
And I don't know about you guys, but I grew up in a house where you just don't talk about it. Um, it happens and it's like, what happened? What are you gonna do? You just kind of carry on. And um, because of that environment that I was in, I never realized until my adult life that these things aren't normal. I remember sitting across from people and just kind of listening to um, their story. And then I would share a part of mine and they're like, that's not normal. And I'm like, it's not because I kind of feel like that's been my whole life. But a lot of church hurt, a lot of um, crazy things that happened in the church, a lot of leadership problems that I wasn't, I wasn't expecting. Because you expect a lot of things in the world to happen. You're armed for that. But when you come to a sacred place and then you're, you let your guard down and you're like, okay, you're going to lead me in the way that I'm thinking we're supposed to go. And then that doesn't happen. And so there was a lot of spiritual abuse, spiritual guilt, um, a lot of things that just went south for me. So if, so if I heard you correctly, you had wounds that were bleeding for, for years, decades. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> what, um, as you began to kind of do your own work, because, you know, what I don't want to do is be like, this series was awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I'm trying to do. But as God used his word to start doing his work in your life, um, what did you recognize about yourself as the Lord began to shine the light on your, those ones? What did you, what did you see about you? That, I mean, you yeah. got to get super specific, you know, but... Let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've never said this out loud, so this will be the first time I'm saying it, but um, I realized I wasn't strong. I was numb. Mm. Um, you get to a point where you're always going, going, going that you really don't realize that a lot of people be like, my gosh, you're so strong. You went through that. And I'm like, okay, like you can do it too. You know, and I would tell them that. And <clears throat> just recently at the beginning of the series, I realized that my strength would pop up at, or my wounds will pop up as strength when really I just, I got to a point where I wasn't feeling things anymore mm. and I wasn't. Like my expectations was bare minimum for people at this point. And um, it was weird because it spills into the way you parent, it spills into your marriage, it spills into relationships. But I realized that it wasn't strength, it was nothing. I couldn't feel anything at this point, so. Uh, if you're, I mean, I don't advocate tweeting in church, but if you need to write this down for later and you wanna tweet this one, that is a one-liner right there. I didn't realize, what did you say, that I was numb? or Yeah, I realized I wasn't strong. I was, I was numb. numb. Man, that is profound. We could just sit on that for a while. We're not going to. That's really good. Um, how are your wounds impacting your everyday life? So here you are wounded and numb, thinking I'm strong, and this is how it's supposed to be. So how did all of that bleeding out and everything, how did it impact the things in your everyday life? Um, <clears throat> okay, so I shared with I shared with Sam like a couple years ago, and we had this argument, and we we had a disagreement. Okay, now disagreements in my house get a little they get a little crazy, um, but Sam was like, I just feel like you're like you're not here, like you're not feeling what I've, and I was I remember I looked at her and I said, Look, if this if this is a problem to communicate, like. This is bare minimum compared to real life problems that are helping happening everywhere else. And she's like, 
I don't care about everywhere else. I care about right here. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's when I started to realize that the way I, the way our marriage was, I was very standoffish. I think I shared this with you that uh, years ago that I kind of felt like, man, I need to be more sensitive. Like mm -hmm. trying to get to a place where I needed to be more sensitive was really hard because I just could not identify with like sensitivity. Like my daughters, they would have a meltdown because they're like, oh, well, they didn't come to the park today. And I'm like, get over it. Get, get your toys and let's go. <laughs> and I realized that that was nothing to do with them. That was everything that I've been through that I've just let go on. So one of the things that you said there is you weren't sensitive. And I think, I think uh, let me deal with the guys in the room for, the, for a second. When he's talking about being sensitive, he's not talking about um, two guys holding hands and frolicking through the tulips, <laughs> you know what I mean? And being like, Definitely just, not bad. we're great friends, you know, you complete me kind of thing, yeah. you know what I mean? Sensitive just to the needs of the people in your home. That's what you're talking yeah. about. So, so I want you to, to, to just draw a connection to what he said before. Um, I thought I was strong, but I was numb, and that led him to be insensitive, not understanding because he can't because he's turning off the feeling. So becoming sensitive and turning the feeling back on means now I have to deal with the pain. Yeah. And so it's getting better now becomes a painful process because there should be some struggle in it, but there now it becomes a more painful process because you did not deal with the wound. Yeah. And you numbed it, you turned it off, and you numb it a number of different ways. And then now you're trying to be better for your wife, better for your kids, better for your daughters and all that. And now you come back to the point where you're like, wait a minute, I'm bleeding. And now I have to go back and deal with the pain if I'm going to. So then the option is, do I do the hard work and face the pain? Or do I remain in the present spot of my relationship with my wife and kids forever? Yep. Exactly that. <coughs> for the past, so how long have we been married? Four years? Five years? So, no, we've been dating for <laughs> yeah, yeah. So five years. Look, when six years. are you sure? Yeah. Six years. Are Look, you when sure? you have when you have four kids under the age of four. <laughs> um, yeah. So since we've been married, um, I I've been learning this about myself and. Sounds like you're just really not that sensitive. And so when the series started, I was, I was wrecked <clears throat> because I was like, okay, God really confronted me and said, you can move forward or you can stay the same and hurt everyone else around you. I did, my intention is not to hurt or bring any harm to my family, but I felt like if I didn't deal with the issues that God had confronted me with, I definitely would still be in the same place and then they would be hurt. Hmm. Um, now, that was hard for me because I was like, oh, we really got to go back like 12 years? Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was for me, it was like I had to make the conscious decision to say yes to the process. So when other people were asking you, are you okay? Because I just watched you deal with the situation or heard about what happened or can imagine that was painful. You were saying, okay, yeah. but you weren't okay. You yeah. were not. Okay, got you. Um, 
did you feel that um, you told others you were okay and not hurt by the situation so much that you were trying to convince yourself that you were okay? Okay, this is going to sound really crazy when you say this out when I say this out loud. But a lot of the people that asked me if I were okay were people that served under me in church. And so the need to be okay for me wasn't a big deal. I thought about other people. And if I felt I felt like I was in a training time with this specific group of people that if I said I wasn't okay, it was going to hurt them and bring anger in them. Because, you know, a lot of people, when you have relationship, <coughs> they, they want to stand up for you, right? And so I thought to myself, well, I can be a good example of Christ and just say I'm okay and pacify this, um, or I can fall into this deep feel like I'm not okay. And so for years, I've said to people that I was okay because I thought I was doing the right thing by showing them that, you know, it's okay, you're gonna be hurt, but as long as you have, you know, Christ, everything's going to be okay. Right. And so that was the biggest thing was I would say I was okay because I didn't want them to stumble in their walk. Which is really strange um, because, well, I was fumbling. And, and, you know, and it was crazy because I didn't even see that until the series started. Gotcha. It's almost like a little bit of a, I have to martyr myself for their benefit. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, this is something that I learned as I got older and became a parent. And so for those of you who are not parents or young folks in the room, I didn't realize, bless you, I didn't realize how much pain or life hurt that my parents had. And so when they acted in a certain way, I was 10. I'd be like, well, that's dumb. Why would you do that? And now sitting in that position, you, you find yourself having to determine, am I going to communicate the hurt? Or just deal with it and try to figure out a way to kind of solve it on my own or exactly. with someone else because I don't want the people, I don't want this to flow downhill. Exactly. Gotcha. Um, so, um, again, without getting specific, and this is as close to the specific line that I'll run you, um, you kind of told me when we were meeting that you unknowingly ran into a person. Yeah. that was kind of attached to a hurtful situation. They weren't the cause of the hurt, yeah. but they were just connected to the situation. You ran just in normal everyday life. You were going somewhere. You ran into them. And can you tell us what you prepared to do and then what you actually did? Yeah. Look, <clears throat> um, so let me give you a little bit of context. Without, yeah. So we, Sam and I had left um, this season in our life, and we were transitioning um, we didn't know where we were transitioning to. We just knew that when the season was over, um, that we were going to just be and not communicate. Now, when we had left this season, um, there was some rules or some boundaries that was put into place by the other party. Um, and, you know, we signed paperwork, had an agreement, understanding all of that. And whatever the narrative was when we left, I told Tom, I said, look, I don't even really care because everyone there knows the kind of people that we are and I'm just going to let it go. Well, we would hear all these things and I thought, oh, I'm ready. Like, I am ready. I had a whole speech planned. I told Sam, I said, well, this wasn't in the contract. This wasn't the agreement. I could say this, this, this. And you know what? This is how we're going to do it. And so we live within maybe about five miles of like the, the place we were at, the people. And Sam and I never bumped into anyone. 
all these years. And I really felt like it was God because I mean, we all shop at the same place. Our kids go to the same playgrounds, go to the same schools. We never ran into anyone. And then right when we started, it was the second week when we started this series, I bumped into someone that we, you know, that we were connected to. And she said this, and I was in the grocery store and I was caught off guard because I was like, I've never seen anyone. Like, it's been four years. And then she said, well, you know, we heard this, 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 and this. And I like, I was pushing the cart and my hand squeezed because I was like, I'm, I've been preparing. I'm ready. <laughs> and she said something to me. And he, before I could say anything, it was like my mouth shut. Mm. And I was like, we just started this series and God's dealing with a lot in me so I can open my mouth and potentially wreck her walk because I want to hurt someone else. I want to hurt the people above you so I could say this to you or I could just, Brian, be okay because whatever happened then, we know the truth, nothing happened. And so my speech went out the window and I was like, you know, Sam and I are still here. We still live in the same place. We are, you know, connected somewhere else, but it was really good to see you. I hope that you and your family are well. Cause I mean, we did real life with these people. And so um, it was really weird, but I did this thing where I, you know, the church thing where you're like, yeah, well, you know, we'll be praying for you guys, you know? And I was like, no, I'm gonna be praying for you. <laughs> but she was like, you know, we're praying for you guys. And I remember walking away and I started crying. I was like, I started crying when I was walking out of the store because I thought, God, this was my moment. This was what I prepared for. And instead, I chose to trust God and go through this process. And you know, it, it was important for me to realize that it had nothing to do with him. And in this process, I just have to keep my head down and keep going. Because if I look up for just a moment, I'll, I'll start. Like, I'll start be like, no, that's not true. That's not true. You know, and so I had to, I really had to lean on God when I walked out of that grocery store. So, and I hope I don't get in trouble for this one because I'm gonna, I'm gonna nudge you just one more step yeah, down no. that story, on the road, down that road on the story. Um, notice how, I, I think it's divine intervention where he's saying, I haven't seen any of these people in the middle of the series of you need to forgive, you need to let it go, leave it at the feet of Jesus walk away from it, stop rehearsing the speech. All those were things that you heard before you got into that moment, and now you have a literal chance to put it into practice. And you put it into practice, and it would be really good to be like, and that was it, and we shook hands and walked away. But before you left, the person made a statement to you because they were ready for you to get involved in Down and Dirty, yeah. and they came back to you at the end of that and said, is that it? That's all you have to say? Look. Like opening a door for you to, hey, it's, tell me. You've already, hasn't told me. You've taken the high road. I understand that. Now come and then talk about where that puts you. Because that wasn't like, I did the right thing and yay. No, I did the right thing. And then yeah. somebody opened the door, tried to, tried to nudge you back in the direction of getting involved again. Let's, look, okay. So, um, <clears throat> I don't know how to. Yeah, you're really pushing me to the edge here. Yeah, sorry, I'm not trying <laughs> no, to. No, 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 you're good. I, um, I don't, so when I left, right, I got to the car and I cried because I was like, I felt like it wasn't fair. Yeah. You know, doing the right thing for me 
naturally comes easy. Um, but I got to the car and there was, you're right, there was no celebration of, I did the right thing. I felt like in that moment, I felt like yet again, God, the opportunity for you to avenge me was missed. Mm. Um, and if I'm being really transparent with you, a lot of the tears was anger because I was like, how am I in my 30s and reliving this? Like, how is it that this is taking root in my life all these years later? And so I had to really surrender in that moment mm -hmm. because if I didn't, she was 10 steps away. I could have got right back out that car. Um, but I had to really stay <coughs> there and just, and cry it out because there was nothing I could do. There's really nothing you really can do except to let it go. And in that moment, I had to make a decision. Brian, you're going to trust God and forgive, or you're going to get out this car for two seconds to break a narrative that they probably don't even care. Every, you know, what I realized is when people want to know, not all of them want to know because they care. They want to know because they want to be satisfied yeah. with what they heard about you. And what are you going to say so that I can go back? And so, you know, the immature me four years ago would have been like, yeah, all that out the window. But I had to sit there and really trust God and say, <coughs> God, you're going to deal with it. Because if I get out this car, it'll be five minutes of satisfaction. And then a whole lot of months of, reg of regret that I did that. And so I said, I had to just make the decision. It's a hard one. It, that was the first time doing the right thing came hard for me. Mm -hmm. um, now, does it still feel rewarding? No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's been weeks since it's right. happened, but I still feel, I still, I, I feel good about the decision I made, but I still feel like it hurt. Right. Does that make sense? Yep. It hurts. So, yeah. Right. So, um, you did what the Lord led you to do. You haven't seen God pour his wrath out yet. Mm -hmm. You haven't seen him avenge you yet. Um, you feel like, I heard you say, um, man, you missed your opportunity to avenge me, God. So he's not going to respond in the way we want him to respond. Yeah. Yet, you're still deciding, I'm going to go through the process, forgive, let go, heal, and move on. Why? Okay, so I don't know. Okay, let's be honest, because we was all here day one. Everyone in this room was here day one. And I was a wreck. Like, I was, and I know Sam even texted me. And I was like, Brian, there's a line of people trying to get into the bathroom, and you're crying. Can you just wrap it up and go cry in the car? Um, and I was like, I don't know why. Like, everything's just coming out. And the reason why I, I chose to, I'm choosing to, to go through this process is because I don't want to be, how do I say this? It's not that I don't want to be this. I don't want to be the same, right? I don't want to be the same, but oh, I don't know how to word this. Help me. I don't know what you're thinking. I know. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. I. How do I say this? I just had a brain fart. You want to do it? Why? I want to do it because. I want to be better. I want to show, I want to show my kids and my wife 
more than anything, I want to show myself that forgiveness is a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's easy to say, yeah, I forgive you. It's all good. Water under the bridge. But when you're, when you're in a place where they hurt your soul and you have to surrender, mm -hmm. gosh, I've never been, I've never, mm. I've never been in a situation like that until recently. Gotcha. And I want to forgive, not for them. I want to forgive for me. I know that sounds selfish, but the nights of staying up, the nights of preparing, like, okay, I know some so <coughs> kids go to school here, my kids go to school. You know, the planning, the preparation, it is draining. It is tiring, getting ready to get up and go through a day and possibly seeing them again or anyone. It's, it's draining. And so I had to say, I'm over it. Like, this is throw my hands up in full surrenderance and be like, I need to forgive because it's affecting me. And the draining is preventing you from doing what? The draining is preventing me from being a better husband, a better parent. Um, it's affecting my walk with Christ. Mm -hmm. It's shifting my perspective in a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. um, it's so crazy. I've, I've discovered in this series that I've been living with hurt and wounds that I've lived my life around it. So instead of my life being revolved around Christ, a lot of the hurt that I was going through, I lived my life around that hurt. Um, and a lot of decision-making. I mean, the, it goes down to the decision-making. Sam's like, I want a new house. And I'm like, well, we can't go here, we can't go there. And I'm realizing <laughs> that I am bound to a lot of this hurt unknowingly mm -hmm. and then sounds like well why can't we go there and i'm like well because the agreement you know mm -hmm. what was said to us and how far in the radius we and she was like brian really no one's gonna tell me where to live like it's mm -hmm. been and i'm like okay yeah and then she's like are we still hung up on this and i'm like are we not is it just <laughs> me and, and so i realized that a lot of the hurt affected my decision making mm -hmm. it affects the way i lead it affects the way I follow, how I take direction. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it's really, it's been a process. Cool. Thanks, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. <clears throat> um, what he just said was, was really important. A lot, of, a lot of great stuff there, Brian. A lot of great stuff. Well, one of the things he just said was, I have orchestrated my life around the hurt. And the, the reality is, is now let's take that to the next logical conclusion. When we build our life around the hurt and it causes us to change direction, talk differently, act differently, think differently, follow differently, it means that we want to follow God with a caveat. I will follow you. I just can't walk that direction. I will do what you say. I just can't, I, I can't cross this bridge. And what you need to be healed from, once that freedom happens, you're going to have a whole new world of possibilities opened up to you. Not like in some self-help you way, like we all sit, stand and sing a whole new world from Aladdin. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is there's going to be things that you thought were not an option that when you're healed and whole might all of a sudden be a possibility for you because God might be walking you down that road. The reason you need to heal is because you need the scar. 
You need to forgive. You need to let it go. You're going to need to follow God. There's going to be freedom on the other of that. But you need the scar. My, uh, we were living in Texas, and then my son, he said something to me profound one day. I don't even know if he realized it was very profound, but I picked him up from like third grade or something like that. He's in college now, so it was a while ago, but it just stuck with me. Um, and he was like running through some bushes after like a ball or something. He had all these like scratches on his legs and his arms. And I'm like, son, why did you run through the bushes? I mean, you got all these cuts on you. You might leave scars. And he said something to me kind of in passing, and it just stuck with me. And he said, Dad, I don't mind the scars. It means I did something. And I was like, oh, that's awesome, son. We could go upstairs real quick. Let me sit here by myself with the Lord and flush this out. You know what I mean? Like, it means I did something. If you have a scar, it means that you took a step. You took a chance. You did something. You obediently followed God. You thought this was the right area to go, and you were trying to do the right thing. You were moving. Most people don't have scars if they never leave the house. You might cut your finger on the on the on the board, not in the chicken, hopefully, but like on the on a board, like in the kitchen. But you're not going to have no real scar if you insulate your life from everybody. Wounds are going to happen, but the reason you need scars is because scars means you survived the wound, you forgave the offender, you took the time to heal, you went through the process of becoming whole. And you moved on to greater things that God is leading you to. I heard it said it's hard to trust somebody with no scars. Because they haven't been through anything. All the married folks in the room, if you've, I don't know if that ever happened to you, but just picture, you know, a guy who's, you know, been married three months and has no kid and want to tell you, um, give you marriage advice and parenting advice. You know, some of you would just kick him right in the shins, right? I would be like, no, I want to hear this so I can assault you after it's done, right? Like, <clears throat> like, why? Because he hasn't been through anything, hasn't lived through anything, hasn't lived through the loss of a parent, hasn't lived through the trial of, of, of painful decisions by your kids, hasn't lived through the, the, the working and the deepening of a relationship with a spouse, hasn't lived through the loss of a relationship, hasn't lived through any of those things. So if you haven't been through something, it's hard to walk to somebody and say, hey, this is what I think in a moment that they need some help. It's hard to trust people without scars. We need to be a church of scarred disciples, courageously following Jesus and not bleeding believers desperately holding on for dear life. It's time for all of us and anyone who watches this or listens to this later, it's time to do the work and heal so you can move on. In the Old Testament, um, Moses was at the, at, the at the foot of Mount Sinai for a long time. And he was asking God, where should we go? Where should we go? Where should we go? And the Spirit of God spoke to Moses and said, you've walked around this mountain long enough. It's time to move forward. In the same way, I really sense this for you and for, for all of us. It is time to stop wallowing in the blood. Stop bathing in the blood of our own hurt. It's time to move forward. Let's heal and go forward and follow God courageously where he's leading us to. We need people who've been through something in their faith and survived. We need people who have the opportunity to walk away from Jesus and chose him instead of walking away. 
We need people who held on to Jesus when we were in pain. We need people who forgive at a level that it astounds even the other people in your family, your coworkers, your bosses, your friends, your other family members, your spouse. How in the world, after they did that to you, can you forgive? And in that moment, there's an open door for you to tell them, I was forgiven. And take them to the one who forgives. There's one scripture on your notes, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. And it's just these two verses, and it's this. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. The second sentence in that, in that passage says, he's so rich in kindness and grace. That word rich, I want to focus on that word just for a second. And you guys can feel free to talk back to me. The youth were free on Friday to talk back to me. We like how this goes. Um, but when we say someone is rich, what do we mean? Anybody? When we say somebody's rich, what do we mean? A lot, of, a lot of finances, right? Okay, cool. So when we say rich, we're not talking about people who live paycheck to paycheck, right? When we say rich, we're not talking about people who are barely making enough money to cover the bills. When we say rich, we're not talking about people who are worried about having enough money left over in the budget to eat. They have a lot of money or they're balling, right? Which sounds really funny coming out of me and not you for some reason, but anyway. <clears throat> they have a lot of money, but okay, so now that's the question. What's a lot? What's a lot of money? Is it a hundred bucks a month extra? See, she's chuckling because she's lived long enough. She said more than enough. Yeah, more than enough, right? More than enough. Is it extra thousand bucks a month? Is that more than enough to, to qualify as rich? No, rich means there is great excess. Typically about materialistic things, right? Finances or you know, homes or cars or something like that, right? When we, when we think of rich or super wealthy people, we think there is, there is more than enough. There is an abundance. There is, there's no lack of money to do what the rich person wants to do. Rich folks have bank accounts. They aren't afraid to look at it certain times of the month. You know what I mean? You get paid on the 30th and on the 28th, you're like, Jesus, I'm just going to trust in you before I open this account and see how this stuff come out. I need to make it to the first, right? You know, <clears throat> um, but what, so... When, when we say rich, we mean wild abundance. That scripture we just read, Paul says that God is rich. He's, he has everything, right? He owns everything. But he specifies two accounts, if you will, that he has a wild abundance in, kindness and grace. He has so much excess. He's rich in those accounts. But... Even amongst rich people, there are levels. Like, let me, let me show you what I mean. Are you a drive a Ferrari rich? Or are you own a 60-foot luxury yacht rich? See what I mean? So all of us in here would be like, oh, I'll take either one, right? <laughs> like, <clears throat> either one will be great for me, right? But even the rich people look at Elon Musk and go, dude, he's not rich. He's so rich. 
And for some reason, when I hear that word so rich, I hear a Kardashian in my head going, so rich. You know what I mean? Like, that's so awesome. You know, that's so a bad impersonation of a Kardashian um, or whatever. But that's what I think because they're just like, it's not just rich. It's so rich. It's, it's wild excess. It's not even more than enough. It's more than anyone would need, more than a family would need, more than a small nation would need in Elon Musk's case, right? But these are, this is why he said, but in, in a similar way, Paul says, not that God is rich, says he is so rich. He is the upper echelon. He is the top of all top, all of the money that someone can have, the richest person that you could ever think, multiply that by a million, and that barely scrapes where God is in his accounts of kindness and grace. He's so overflowing in, uh, in abundance in those two areas. He has so much that it prompted him into an action. And the action was dying on the cross. So why? To forgive. His kindness, his excess kindness, his excess grace, he is so rich in these things that he gave everything to forgive. Now, let me ask uh, married folks in the room, and maybe you've ever had a good friend. You can probably apply to this, too. Um, have you ever had an argument with your spouse? Now, I know none of us have ever done this, but just pretend for a second <clears throat> that you may have had a disagreement with your spouse, right? Because we all have. And you got into the argument, and then 45 minutes later, you're arguing but it has nothing to do with the original thing that the argument was about. Like it just splintered and fractured off into, you could be, you know, up, you know, like having a disagreement about, you know, about um, the, how we're going to discipline the kids. And then it turned about, and then it all of a sudden turned into who didn't clean up after the dog, right? Like it's just, <clears throat> like it's just all, it just went all spiraled out of control. And I don't know about you, but there's moments where, you know, this is, well, I was going to say it never happens to me, but i got to use an example. Um, I'm just kidding. So there's moments where me and Nina had, like, an argument like this, and then after, like, a half hour, we're like, why are we even arguing again? Is this what we're arguing about? Like, the sock that made it under the couch that I didn't, I missed, you know, or something? Or, or what, what was it that we were upset about and we don't even remember? And we have to go back to the original thing and be like, oh, I kinda, I'm kind of not really upset about that anymore. <laughs> just kind of apologize and hug and then move on with your life, right? If we spend time focusing on the wound too much, it's going to splinter off into other things and fragment into other ideas, and you're going to dig a deeper hole for yourself, so much so that you don't even know how you got here. It's because I didn't deal with the wound because if it's a church hurt then i'll never trust the pastor and then i'll never trust this denomination and then i'll never trust a church and then i'll never go there and then i won't even interact with people who are christians and then i won't deal with this person who's my cousin who says they're a believer and then i'm mad at this cousin because they said something and then all the way down the line they're like how did i even get here because there was a wound that was left untreated and what we're going to have to do is understand what god's word says yes Go through the process, yes. But eventually, we're going to have to stop talking about it, and we're going to have to be about it. We're eventually going to have to stop talking about forgiveness and forgive. 
We're eventually going to have to stop talking about the wound and let it heal. We're eventually going to have to stop um, rehearsing the situation or the, the conversation or the thing I'm going to tell somebody off whenever I see them um, that's connected. to the, b Before we set the record straight, we're going to have to stop all of this replaying the scenario and, and, and acting in anger all the time because I got done wrong and maybe repeatedly wrong. Eventually, we're going to have to stop doing that or we're going to build a life that's centered around hurt and not centered around Jesus. And that is no way for you as a overcoming, victorious, free believer in Jesus should be, li should be living. We have to to do the work now because I honestly believe this. I honestly believe God put this in my heart at, in the middle of last year and directed us to start the year with it now because he's about to ask us collectively, maybe you just as his child, just maybe you as a believer, to do something that you were not going to be able to do until you forgive and heal. There's an area you're going to need to walk in, but you're not going to make it if you're bleeding. There's an area he's calling you to live in. Maybe it's a sense of personal freedom so that when you go out, it changes. And people go, man, what just happened in you? And you get a chance to tell them. Maybe it's a new uh, courage to talk about the Lord with other people. I don't know what it is, but he has prompted this for you, for me. I had to sit earlier this week and go back and look at my own stinking notes from this because something happened that hurt me. I'm like, am I going to allow this hurt to go on? Because that's what my MO is. My MO is to nurse that wound. Leave it open. Let it stain really good. And then start taking it into my own hands. That was my past MO. Am I going to listen to the words of God that even come out of my own mouth? Because there's a decision there. And the temptation is, okay, you took the high road. But now, really? You don't you have something else to say? Don't you want to get down here and get grimy and dirty and vengeful? No. Why? Because there's something else. There is a freedom awaiting me and a direction that I've not been able to go and a new basis of my life I've not been able to live in. Why? Because I refuse to forgive. <clears throat> the reason I read that passage in Ephesians today is because if you want to move on, if you want to jumpstart the healing process, if you want to accelerate the healing process, if you want to finalize the healing process wherever you are in the midst of all that, the number one thing you need to do is connect to God. Because when you connect to him, here's what happens. You become more like him. When you read his word, you understand his nature. The spirit of God starts to permeate other areas of your life. You grow in what we call a big religious word, sanctification, which means you just become to act more and more like him. And the more and more you become closer to him, the more you begin to act like him. And what is he overwhelming, abundant, and rich in? Kindness and grace. You needed kindness to forgive you. You needed his grace to, to wipe your sins away. You needed someone to look the other way and be like, it's okay when you said something stupid, when you did something dumb, when I said something stupid, when I said something dumb, when I acted in a way that I knew was hurtful and someone let me off the hook. I beat myself up over that for a long time because, it did, because I would wound myself. But at some point in time, 
We have to let all of that go and realize I'm going to get closer to him because I need his kindness for myself. I need his grace for myself, but I need his kindness to come out of me. I need his grace to come out of me. And if we can be mature believers, disciples of Christ who are getting closer to him, he is what? willing to heal the brokenhearted. He is willing to bind up our wounds. And I don't know about you, but when he steps in, the ultimate healer can fix it like that. That is not a promise that he will, but he can. You've been bleeding long enough. You've been wounded long enough. You've been living and walking with the limp long enough. Today is the day that we have to put our foot in the sand, draw a line, write the number down, write the date down, and say, before we watch a football game, I'm about to get free. Because there is freedom and a wholeness and a clarity and a direction that God has in front of you that will define you. Why? Because sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes God fa fashions those scars and an arrow, and it gives you a direction for your purpose. There's sometimes God can use those scars to bring clarity to your purpose. There's so much waiting for you on the other end of that hurt. We just got to commit to stop the bleeding. And so today, how we're going to end the service is we're not going to have Brian or Nina come and sing. I'm gonna play two songs. I'm gonna play two songs, like an old school prayer time. <clears throat> and if you wanna kneel, you can kneel. If you wanna walk or stand, you wanna raise your hands, you wanna sit and, and reflect, you can do whatever you wanna do. I'm gonna play these two songs because these are the ones that kinda of kept coming up in me as I was thinking about this message, message and thinking, how do I need to run to him? The goal today is to take, it's 10 minutes. One's four and a half minutes, one's five and a half minutes. It's literally 10 minutes. Can you focus on him? Leave the hurt for 10 minutes for the chance that you encounter him in a way that can heal your wound exponentially more than you can just trying to figure it out in your head on your own. Some things are taught and we have done a lot of teaching during this message, but tonight I'm hoping you catch something. And the catching is the freedom that happens when I get close to him. The new level of kindness that happens when I get close to him the new level of grace that happens when I get close to him. The new level of compassion and understanding that happens when I get close to him. Some of you are going to need him to give you a brand new identity because you fashioned your identity out of the blood that has run out of your wounds. And that's not who you are. He defines that. And so I'm excited to possibly see some brand new people at RCC. Oh, not new faces and names. Free people, healed people, whole people, courageous people.